Welcome to my COVID diary. My name is Andrea Hardacre and this is my COVID diary. Like everybody else worldwide, I'm trying to get to grips with a whole new lifestyle during the corona pandemic and I decided to chart my journey here. April 24th, 2020. Another beautiful morning. The sky is so blue I could get lost in it for hours. If only this was the new normal. The new normal. That's the phrase being banded about right now. The phrase itself is as big as the sky over my head. It could mean anything. It could mean people over the age of 60 have to remain in their houses indefinitely. It could mean police have the power to break up any sort of group meeting for the rest of our lives. It could mean the end for small businesses, restaurants, pubs, cafes, independent shops. It could mean the end of community. What it probably will mean is that every decision we make in future, from visiting the dentist to doing the weekly shopping, will be determined by how safe we are perceived to be. Here's what's worrying me. There is a process to change. At first, most people resist, complain, fight back, question if they've any sense. But as the days wear on and the change remains in place, something happens. We forget about our old lives. We move on, accept and sometimes embrace the change, especially if it's born out of fear. It's a gradual process, but it does happen. Then we look back and say, remember when we did this? Remember when we played outside all all the time as kids, climbing trees, knocking conkers, sliding down chutes without adult supervision or rules about safety? Remember when you bought a car and the spare tyre came with it? Remember when you could get a mortgage for a house with just a few savings? Remember when you could retire with a healthy pension? I never want to hear myself say, remember when we used to play live music in the pub? Remember when we used to just nip to the shops? So we're told we will now be social isolating until a cure is found for the vaccine. Only a few weeks ago, we were promised lockdown would only be in place until we reached a peak. How quickly that goalpost changed. It's moved the length of a football pitch and no one's even blinked. How long will it be before we find a cure or a vaccine is anybody's guess. But once a vaccine is found, the person behind it is going to be a very rich man. As if he wasn't rich enough. And all the while, businesses lie empty, shops lie vacant, jobs become something we once did. Money becomes something we once had. But there's a virus out there. It's killing people. I know. Believe me, I know. 2020, it seems, will be the year of grieving. Grieving the loved ones we lost in such a swift and shocking way. Grieving the lack of family support we took for granted. Grieving our way of life, our freedom, our ability to travel, to shop, to drink, to get married to be buried, grieving over our dwindling economy. What strange world am I young teens about to enter? This virus has stolen so much. 
One school of thought is that lockdown was or is essential. It had to be done. Yet, out of the corner of my eye, I see an alternative approach. And I can't help thinking about those times at school when the entire class was set the same task and everyone came up with the same answer apart from that one person who looked at it all a little differently. And when they revealed what their answer was, it made us all look at them a little differently. I'm talking about Sweden. Unlike its neighbours, Sweden didn't impose a lockdown amid the corona outbreak. Their strategy to build a broad base of immunity while at the same time protecting at-risk groups raised eyebrows, but they held strong. The country's death rate is higher than its neighbours, with Stockholm the most densely populated being the worst affected, and the elderly the worst hit. Care homes apparently have suffered the most. But now Sweden's chief epidemiologist has said herd immunity could be reached in Stockholm within weeks. Imagine that. It makes me sigh a breath of relief just thinking about it. But no wonder there was controversy. I mean, what do I actually think of this strategy? It was a brave and bold move. It takes real courage to go against the grain, especially when lives are at risk. Was it a case of sacrificing a few to protect the many? How would I feel about that if we'd continued in the same vein here and I lost a relative? Probably I'd be outraged as well as heartbroken. It was our government's first instinct to build herd immunity. Was that the right thing to do? Was it just? Moral? Perhaps only time will tell. But I can't help worry that the casualties of COVID will be much more than those who've died of the actual virus itself. Poverty is a killer and it's brutal. As far as I've seen, there's no known vaccine. Nor is Bill Gates rushing forward to fund the creation of one. All that said, sometimes I feel like my thoughts are like dandelion puffballs. The slightest breeze and they're blown into the air, scattered all over the place, sprouting new seeds. And when they land, I'm at a loss. I don't know the difference between a weed and a flower. Which ones need yanked out and binned? Which ones need fed? Is it wrong to question lockdown? Does that make me immoral? Is it fair to be sceptical? This week I spoke to a journalist about this podcast. She asked why I was documenting my thoughts at this time. I told her I'd never lived through anything like this before and wanted to have something to look back on. It's the end of the world as we know it. And I wanted to know how I felt about that. The irony is, the more I read and write about it, the more confused I become. As I come off the phone, I realised that although this podcast is a diary, it's different to a diary. It has an audience. I suspect that with any diary ever written, there's the possibility of an audience. But this one is being written in full knowledge that it has an audience. And audiences can be troublesome, especially in the days of social media. Sometimes I look at the virtual world and think there is almost a religious aspect to the way people react to those whose views oppose theirs, that moral high ground that exists among so many. And I'm reminded of those days when I used to come out of church as a youngster. There were always the good people, 
lingering around the church grounds after Mass, the ones who stood a little taller than the rest, crowing about how much they did for the church and their community. Their good deeds were always known about them, and oh, how pure they were. I somehow never trusted them. I never liked them either. Maybe I'm just a little contrary. Maybe I was a naughty child. I never trusted religion and was wary of those who preached it. So I'm thinking about the way people are reacting to those who do question lockdown, those in America who are protesting, eager to get back to work, refusing to accept lockdown as a way of life. And I can hear the collective gasp at the mere thought that I might be defending them. But before you reach for the off switch, all I'm saying is, I don't know if they're right or wrong. Right and wrong isn't a clear-cut thing. Look back at history. Who once thought it was the right thing to do to weed out witches from our local community and burn them at the stake? We once thought it was the right thing to do to shoot a conscientious objector for being afraid to go to war or disagreeing with it. Perhaps those fighting against lockdown are just really afraid of poverty, which surely lies ahead if they're not able to return to work. Perhaps they've already experienced it, lived it and have decided to take their chances. It's complicated, isn't it? Their actions might impact on the lives of others, but then lockdown might impact on the lives of thousands more. Fear makes people react in funny ways and say stuff they might not necessarily mean. It's hard not to judge, isn't it? It's hard not to judge anyone who disagrees with you. But morals are complex human creations and they change over time. I know mine have. My thoughts evolve as I get older and sometimes I'm criticised for changing my mind about big issues. But I'm human and surely that's allowed. I'm allowed to have been mistaken. Why are we so hard on people for just being human? For being susceptible to folly or wrong thinking? And again, it gets complicated. Because where do you draw the line? There are some people who believed in and carried out practices which were clearly evil. Which makes everything I've just said about right and wrong just crumble. And yet... Among the ruins of what I said, I feel there's something. There's something there calling to me and I haven't quite worked out what it is. Which is possibly why this episode has taken quite so long to write. Perhaps the dandelion puffballs of my thoughts are still mid-air. This is the kind of conversation I could only really have with a very few people in my life without fear of being judged. One of them tunes in for a while and if she's listening, then yes, it is you I'm talking about. She's one of the wisest people I know and also the most honest. She can laugh at her own prejudice and tease herself for having them. Because of that, she never feels the need to act on them. She can question herself. She knows her shortcomings and I think because of that, she doesn't carry them out into the world. They're there within her but they're not secreted away into a dark place to fester. I've still got a lot to learn from this friend who came into my life in the most unlikely circumstances. Running, would you believe? That's how we met. We're practically neighbours, but met at the local running club. If you knew me well, 
and my absolute phobia of all things exercise. And you'd understand how slim the chances of us ever meeting actually were. Although I haven't looked at the news properly this week, there was one story which caught my eye. The story of an ex-soldier who fell in hard times after leaving the forces. Faced with homelessness, Christian Lewis set off on a quest to walk every twist and turn of the British coastline to raise money for charity three years ago. He arrived on Shetland just as the UK was placed under restriction. He was sleeping in a tent, but locals helped him to isolate by lending him a boat to get to the uninhabited island of Hildesey. There's one house on the island, and when the owners heard of his fate, he was given the keys. He has food and supplies delivered to him to keep him going, which are left on the shores for him to pick up. Apart from that, there's just him and his dog and lots of sheep. I looked Christian up on Facebook and have been following his journey. I wonder what it would be like to be the only person around for miles. It must be immense freedom. He takes a bath in the sea. He wanders the island, exercising using rocks, talking to his dog. He was sent a guitar along with supplies and the house he's staying in looks lovely. There's no gas or electric but that's not a problem for him. He's used to being self-sufficient. Among the footage on his site is one film taken earlier this year which shows snow coming in towards the island from the sea. It's both beautiful and haunting. It sort of hangs from the sky like an enormous ghost ready to obliterate everything in its wake. I'm pretty certain Christian's keeping a diary of events, but I can imagine that no words will truly capture the sights he's seen. Part of me really envies his journey. I wonder what it would be like to be truly alone, with not another human being around. My first thoughts are of the freedom to sing, to dance, to swim, to shout into the night, or simply just be. But then I remember the reality of who I actually am. I heard so much as a rustle in the bushes, I'd convinced myself a serial killer was on the loose or some spectre inhabited the island and I'd quite possibly drive myself a little crazy. So today I thought I'd leave you with the words of a famous diarist, someone who despite her young years really did have something to say to the world, Anne Frank. And she said, where there's hope, there's life. It fills us with fresh courage and makes us strong again. So hopefully in this new world we do find ourselves in, we also find a little hope to fill us with fresh courage and make us strong. <laughs>